Thursday, beautiful people. Welcome to Love Bass Love Talk. Yes, of course. Of course, we have technical difficulties because we live in the age of artificial intelligence. So listen, I can't control everything. I try, I try, I try. Hope you all are well. It is Thursday. And uh, according to the weather people, we're going to get some plowable snow this weekend. Saturday night into Sunday, which will be kind of pretty. So I'm going to be ready for it, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I'm going to get ready so I can be ready, I guess. So if you got to go to the grocery store, do that mess today. Don't don't mess around. I might get out there today and pick up a few things for the for the house, for my for myself for the weekend. See what happens. You know. Uh my guest this morning at 10:15 is Joanne Wilcox, who is the site coordinator for the uh, parent leadership training institute which i was a part of many 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 years ago my my dear friend bestie uh ron thomas sits on the national board of the uh, parent leadership training uh institute so uh yeah so anyway so she'll be on uh and if she's listening now don't be nervous it'll be just how we talk like when you sit on my porch i sit on your porch we see each other at the bookstore same same conversation. We're just doing it in front of people, which is what we always do anyway. We're always in front of people. <laughs> so I hope you are well. I hope everybody is well. Uh, let's see. It is Thursday. Uh, I'm 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 achy from the gym yesterday. Oh my God, this commitment to this gym is wearing me out in a good way. Like not enough to make me quit or anything, but you know, in a in a good way. So, uh, in a in a in a good way. So, uh, my uh, this isn't this isn't working either. Now, what is going on today with my uh, all my gadgets? Uh, every gadget I have on my desk is just doing its own thing. And uh, I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I, I just don't know what's happening. So anyway, say la vie, mon ami. Uh, my Apple, my Mac won't work because I can't seem to. My, my, my uh, keyboard for my Mac some of the keys don't work anymore so i can't log into the wi-fi my wi-fi my house wi-fi for it so it's giving me uh it's giving me a uh, drama i i can't i know what it is i just can't do it so ah it's such a pain <laughs> it is such it is such a pain Seriously. So anyway, good people, what is going on? Hey, Harry. Hey, Paul. What's happening? And it's still the new year. <laughs> happy 2024. Uh, happy 2024. So uh, I see the Epstein uh, uh, files have been opened. Uh, I guess some people got some explaining to do. I mean, it wasn't... Uh,
uh it ain't uh it ain't um uh I forgot what I was thinking about. I I, I know I was gonna I was gonna move into another conversation. And I, I was trying to think, should I finish up what I was saying before I move into another conversation? Because my brain is moving at light speed. So I, I know all the Black folks has watched the Cat Williams uh, conversation on Club Shay Shay. <laughs> White folks, I know you don't know a damn thing about Club Shay Shay or Cat Williams or Shannon Sharp for that matter. So y'all just sit over there and marvel at Taylor Swift. Um, so anyway, Cat Williams was on Club Shay Shay. I guess it was a two-hour conversation. And uh Cat Williams went in and people and people are pulling up all the receipts on everything that Cat Williams said about these other comedians. And uh Cat Williams is super, super intelligent, you know. He he's a smart comedian. You know, he's like D.L. Hughley and, and cats that who have, you know, sound intellect. Um, and he went in on these cats. I mean, soup the nuts. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I was talking to my, talking to my girlfriend, uh, Daniel Ricks, who uh, works at Howard Media. And, uh, and I, she posted up some remarks and I said listen if I was these any of these comedians that he skewered I would just if they asked me about it I would just say you know that Cat Williams is a funny guy and keep it moving because the minute you try to defend or refute any of that stuff or provide a rebuttal you just look like a hit dog and sure enough cats are coming with their own little you know they're not they're not refuting none of this they just trying to cast aspersions. Um, and it is hella entertaining, I must say. Um, and so people are pulling up receipts. I, I I I comedian beef is comedian beef. You know, I mean it's just <laughs> and and everybody's taking a piece, you know. Everybody everybody's taking a piece. Uh Everybody's taking a piece and and you can't I, no lies detected. Just no lies detected. And uh we just we just leave it at that. We'll just we'll just leave it at that and let people have these conversations and and we'll see uh we'll see. Just I'm just gonna follow along. For the for you know however long this train rides, because it's uh, um, uh, it's uh, it is what it is. So, anyway, <laughs> you know, anyway. <sighs> the Delta uh, Founders Day is coming up. Y'all know how we do. We take over everything. <laughs> uh, we we take over everything. Uh, and uh, it's going to be red in the city on the 13th. 
it's gonna be red. So that's that's what we're doing. Anyway, uh, that that was the funny thing for me. So that's that's what I'm going with. I'm going with that. Going with that. Going with that. Um, since I can't pull up my my handy dandy Wi-Fi. Oh, there it is. There it is. It must have needed to catch up to itself. Yay! Yay! High five to uh, Walker Myers. Uh, who is a board president of the Board of Alders? High five, high five. You know, uh, that's it. And you know, Kevin St. James is taking over, singing over at the Owl Shop. I don't really mess with the Owl Shop too much. I like the other band that they had, and they just kind of dissed them with no regard. I just. I just wish there was another smoke shop in town that was a little bit more friendlier to people. But, you know, what I'm, what I'm going to do, I, I've got no dog in that fight. I don't mess with them. And they're perfectly fine with the clientele that they got. So, so no shade. Uh, I see uh, all the streeters sold for $100 million. Uh Lost 20, 24 years of his life in a, a crooked prosecution. Uh, he is a he is a full term first full term city alder. He was uh, sworn in, so he's suing for fifty million in punitive damages and fifty million in compensatory damages for the two dozen years he spent in prison on a wrongful conviction. Now I, I'm no attorney yet, but I play one on the radio. Um. I, I don't I don't understand. And I and I'm on a panel. Uh I'm on a panel with uh an upcoming panel. And this is gonna be one of the things that I talk about because this is on my nerves to the point where I just can't I can't stand it. Um, um I'm I'm on a panel, the other side of prospect. Uh, afternoon with author Nicholas Dowdoff, and and I'm on a panel with Anthony Campbell, who is the police chief for the Yale Police Force, and uh, and Ken Rosenthal, who is an attorney. Uh, and so I'm going to be on a panel uh, talking about the other side of prospect and my thoughts. But you know, I am quite struck by this idea of wrongful convictions and people serving time for crimes that they did not commit. And the fact that we have gotten so comfortable with with finding this stuff out and no one is outraged. And I'm thinking for 24 years, if you didn't do this crime and they know you didn't do this crime and they set you up to fall for this crime, where's the mofos that really did this crime? Can I say mofos? Too early in the morning? <laughs> where Where are the cats? who actually did the crime. And, you know, 30 cases in Connecticut, half of them are New Haven. And I, I'm not understanding where the oversight. And then the state's attorney goes along with foolishness. I, I don't understand. Where is somebody standing on the side of justice? Where are the freedom fighters who say, this is categorically wrong. Let's right this wrong. No matter how long it takes us, let's write this. Not, oh, 
we're going to hold this and keep continue to prosecute, but we know it's wrong. <laughs> and then you don't, and you don't ask the right questions to get to the truth. And you know, when you don't ask the right questions to get to the truth, that just means you don't want to know the truth. Like you don't want to know the truth. And so I, I, I think, and I believe this, the only way to write these things is, is hit them in their, in their pocketbooks because municipalities are not going to be able to afford to pay out these compensatory and these heavy damages, punitive otherwise, they're not going to be able to keep affording this for shoddy policing and deliberate uh, policing, deliberate <laughs> policing that doesn't get to the real criminal. But railroads and scapegoats people, cities and towns, municipalities are not going to be able to afford these kinds of cases. Some point, the mayor, if you have a mayor of substance, worth, talent, and skill, they're gonna they're going to say to the chief, empower their chief, we've got to do some different policing so that these kinds of crimes um, get solved and we are not unjustly and deliberately incarcerating people for things that they did not do. That's where I'm with this. I, I'm just stuck on how do people get to serve all this time for crimes that that are known that they didn't commit? <laughs> it's one thing if you committed a crime, one thing. One thing if you committed a crime, you caught to a crime, whatever it is. It's a whole other thing. And what does, when you get exonerated, what does your freedom, liberty look like after the fact? Because it's not enough to be freed of it. Now you got to go and have stuff undone. And I'm sure that is no walk in the park. It just bothers me. Does anybody else feel bothered by people who are wrongly convicted of crimes that they did not commit? <laughs> How do you get your life back after 24 years of a wrongful conviction? How do you do that? You know, I, I stay in touch with Mr. Salters, uh, who just was released, I don't know, a year or so ago. He served damn near 28 years for a crime he did not commit. He went in, he was a kid. And now he's middle-aged, you know. I mean, there's a bunch of these cats running around uh, that are that were wrongly wrong. And, and when you look at their files, when they when you lay out the evidence, what was done, what wasn't done, you can't help but be like, who the hell did this? Why was this allowed to go through? Why was there movement on this? Why was this even brought to convict? How? That's the thing that bothers me about the legal system. That you can suppress things, you know, that could make a difference in somebody's case. You don't talk to enough people, you know. I mean, so 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 uh uh Nicholas Davidoff's book, The Other Side of Prospect, is really about uh the inequities of the judicial system in young in 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 a place where he grew up and was fond of and he learned very early on, he saw with his own eyes the inequities based on race and zip code. Uh, 
And so he tells he he tells this compelling story, you know, this factual story that happened uh, of this young man that was railroaded for a crime he did not commit. And they knew he didn't commit it. Like they freaking knew he didn't do it. And for the life of me, as I was reading this thing, and I read this thing on the vineyard, I was reading this thing, it it really was, it really, you know, as I was making my way to 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 start this process to go to law school, it really just kept fanning the flames of this level of injustice. Now, listen, I have no illusions. I think I could come in and do anything superior or superhuman around these kinds of things. But I, at the very least, I could just ask the questions and beg for some answers about how the hell does this happen? <laughs> how? <laughs> and they knew it. They knew it. The detectives knew it. The police knew it. The police that was that were around these detectives knew that these what these detectives were doing. The state's attorney knew that this was crap, but yet stood on it. Was a hill willing to die on and did. <laughs> And I, if I'm the state's attorney at that particular time, I would be hella embarrassed. And I would spend the rest of my life trying to right that wrong. I would just, that's but that's how I'm built. I'm built like that. I would spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how could I, what could I do to right this? You know, what do I just take on pro bono cases like this for the rest of my damn life? Because I have to write this. Because I had a hand and sending an innocent man to prison for a crime he did not. And everybody in the community knew. This is the other part. A whole community was held hostage by the fear of repercussion from a few police officers. Damn it. Somebody ought to make this a daggone movie. Oh my God, it just just made me mad. You see, I'm still mad about it. You see, I'm still, I'm still incensed. I am. So anyway, so as I'm reading Mr. Streeter's story, I'm more incensed. And you know what? Sue them. Sue this city. Sue it. Do all that you need to do. Because let me tell you something. Money screams. And it'll be, money will change policy. Money will change operations, money will change hearts and minds at the legislative level. <laughs> and by money, I mean these payouts, these, these payouts, these, these, these payouts. I'm just like, you know, and this, I, 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 I can speak to New Haven. I know damn well we ain't got money to be paying these, these kind of suits. I know we don't. <sighs> Let me just drink. Let me. What is my what is my my black woman cup say today? See, I got to drink drink from a cup with a black woman on it, cause they gonna get on my nerve. And let me let me say this about the sister president and Harvard. And there's a I've been having these side conversations with people about this, and I think I might dedicate a whole show to an academic black. Blacks in academia conversation. Uh, but I have to have it with Blacks in academia who are not in academia <laughs> because repercussions is swift and hard. And so I need people who are already out that game who so no harm can come to them. Because, you know, 
higher education acts like organized crime. Do you know what I mean? And y'all know higher education acts like organized crime. They put hits on people all the time. Not physical hits where they they put a gun to somebody's head. But when you start messing with people's research, their credentialing, and all this other kind of stuff, and you mount a campaign to destroy them, that's the same thing. And Black people, are, we are vul- we've always been vulnerable. Vulnerable AF. We are vulnerable in these white spaces. We are vulnerable. Listen, listen. When I saw what happened to Hannah Nicole uh, Jones with that little dinky-ass school <laughs> and the way they treated her, and I'm thinking to myself, are you you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. So President Gay didn't stand a chance. And let me tell you something else. And this is another conversation that's got to be had because there's a disconnect between black folks of Caribbean descent and black folks of American descent. And and when we and and there is a real disconnect because somebody's got to set, tell Caribbean folks, we are all in this game together. You can't respectability yourself out of racism. You can't respectability yourself out of white supremacy. You, it will not work. It has never worked. It won't work. Because white folks will never, ever believe that you are good enough to be in the same room with them. Not white folks, white people. I, listen, I, I'm just... This... this now, every white person that has listened to me, if this if this does not apply to you, then don't wear this. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all know. Some of y'all have borne witness. Some of y'all are in those spaces. And, and don't come at me with, well, explaining what your role is or what your role ain't. Just not, I'm not pointing the fingers in the way that you feel like I'm pointing the fingers. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is there's, there's a lot of conversations in this thing that needs to happen and they are not happening. You know, they're not happening. And oftentimes we step into spaces where we are set up for failure. I see it in the arts community when, when, when black artistic directors are hired after, after, whatever the art serving organization theater or whatever is all, you know, uh, torn to shreds. Then somebody black got to come in and sew up the pieces, you know, cause they like for us to come and do the cleanup work. We come in and do the cleanup work. We are neither thanked or, or regarded for it. And then when they don't like something we do, guess what happens? Then they cut our legs out from under us. And they was like, see, I hired some niggas and look what happened. I don't think I can say that word. Can I say that word? Negroes, black people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is this is a this is a morning for this just this very as I sip my tea. This is a morning for just this sort of thing. I will I listen. I'd like to spend some time with Alex Tobbs. Because that man be on the scene like a gangster lean. He be on it. He be on it. 
I, 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 I still hold Nora Pattis in high regard, even though I think he's just lost his mind on a lot of levels over these last few years. But, you know, mind that fine, I guess it'll crack up too. You know, taking on Alex. And listen, I and I and this is going to be a controversial thing to say, but I always think if you can hire the best attorney, you should hire the best attorney, no matter what your crime is. If you can hire the best, because it's always the state's the uh, the the state's uh, uh, business to to prove stuff. Uh so I I I don't want a mediocre lawyer on on the side of a of a person who's accused. I want the best that's out there because. When you have the best and they are beaded, then there is no doubt that a uh, 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 an amazing defense was mounted. But when you get a mediocre, overworked lawyer, and I don't even know what mediocre means. How about if I take out mediocre and just say an overworked public defender, an overworked pro bono attorney, you know, who don't have the the riches of a law firm to back their asses up? Then you you run the risk of not having a one representation, but a one representation costs big big dollars. It does. It just does. It costs. I I don't listen. I don't make the games. I don't hate to play. I hate the game. I'm not even a player yet. I'm just saying what I see. If I am convicted, if I'm accused of a crime, and I have been. And I had the best, probably one of the best attorneys in this country represent me for free. And I don't even know how that happened, but thank God. I would never have been able to afford him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I say this to say, there's inequities across the board, the system is set up to be inequitable. It's just set up that way, you know, and, and, and stacked. And it was deliberate and intentional to keep black and brown people from, to curtail their movements, to curtail their right to, to uh, liberty and happiness, all of it, to curtail that. All these laws have those roots in them to curtail the movement of black people in this country. And it's going to take a lot to, to like fight and, un, and, and weave through the muck and mire of all of that. You know, you've got to be one part detective, one part strategist, oh, and an attorney. <laughs> right? All of that. Just a lot, man. It's just a lot. So go ahead, Mr. Streeter. Break it down, break it down, break it down. Break it down. And let the let the city make its case. And the city has been running up in front of judges for a minute now. All these <laughs> like, you know, they already gotta pay a hefty ass judgment. For the for the guy that they paralyzed for the police department's part in paralyzing this guy, and you can say whatever you want. And listen, let me tell you something else: you don't got to be white to do the work of white supremacy. 
You don't gotta do. You don't gotta be white to do the work of white supremacy. White supremacy is so ingrained into the the fabric of everything we do in this country that people people fall prey. It was black people that hurt that man. It was black people, black people, and they did it because they let that badge give them a false sense of superiority and a disdain for humanity. That's white supremacy. And they don't even know that they was doing the work of white supremacy. They just thought, oh, I, 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 this guy, you know, they was making judgments about this guy based on what they knew, how he was acting, all the things, all the things that had nothing to do with the law. <laughs> this just their own thinking about how this person is. It's like, okay, all right, arrest him for whatever you need to arrest him for. But the arrest is still you taking him into the care and custody of of the police department. The the it doesn't say arrest him, beat the crap out of him by you know jerking this 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 truck around. And you know, and the and the part that gets me the most is that this kind of behavior is just uns un, it's an unspoken expectation. Like somebody started that mess and they just continue to do it without any repercussions. Deliberate. <laughs> and you can't tell me it wasn't deliberate. <laughs> they didn't drive, they didn't drive the truck like their grandmama was in the back of it. They didn't drive the truck like their kids was in the back of it. They didn't even drive the truck like that other fellow police officers was in the back of it. I, I'm no attorney. I'm just playing one on the radio. Because I would want to know. I would just ask you, so would you drive this truck? If your grandmother was sitting in the back, would you drive this truck the same way? Like, would you fly through the streets or stop on a dime? Like, t tell me. If your grandmother... And there's no seatbelts back there. How would you drive her, drive her in that vehicle? It's hypothetical. So was you driving this man like that? How did his neck get broken? And you know what? And I wish they could have been put in the back of all that thing and somebody driven them around the way that they drove that guy around and see if they could survive it. Talk about an eye for an eye. I mean, we, we like to pick and choose the stuff we, you know, we go biblical on. I would have been like, listen, get in the back. Let's take a ride. See how you like it. Let's just give a sense. And the, here's the other part for me. That speaks to acceptable culture. If they've done that, and I, I'm convinced this is the culture. This is the culture. And this is the other part that pisses me off too. Other law enforcement around sees when wrong is being done and doesn't speak on it, but will stand on that blue as if somehow or other that is like some invisibility cloak. And it ain't. And I got police officers who listen to me. So I know some of y'all are listening to me. I am a fan of police officers. I believe in 
having a, a well-trained, uh, uh, agile police department, a police force. And there are some amazing police officers out there who think about this city in a caring way. But there are also some asshole cops out there who don't give a damn about anything and think that their job is to is to curtail movement of people in a very disrespectful, inhumane way. There are. And I said this before, it's going to take those extraordinarily good cops to stand up and say, I don't want this their behavior to be the representation of the police force that I serve, that I work for. Like those behaviors of those police officers, and I don't, and, and it could be any police officer who was doing the wrong thing in the heat of the moment. And I get it. Listen, policing is not an easy job. I understand that. Ne neither is cooking, but you know, there it is. So I, I want extraordinarily good cops to sort of say, that is not, I don't want people thinking that I'm a bad guy. And people believe cops are bad people. You know, we're starting to feel that way. We're starting to feel like cops in in our in our midst are are not going to protect and serve. So when you see these shootings go on in these neighborhoods, these kids, these people are not going to tell the police anything because there's a there's a disdain for policing and a fear and that is that is embedded from a from a long 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 examples of over and over and over again how the police have let communities down not every police is like that i listen not every there are some really great police officers out here so many of them the majority of them are incredible the ones that come down here to uh to play in the park, Bassett Street Park in the summers for summer league basketball. Sometimes they bring water. The cops, they walk the beads and they know people. The cops I see when I'm out walking, sometimes they stop by the porch. I, I know them. I know great cops. I know extraordinarily great cops. And I know that they cannot abide these bad cops being the example for what policing is. I know they don't like it. And I'm I'm inviting them to sort of say, y'all have to rise up and say, this is not how we are going to be portrayed anymore. And we are not going to allow this handful of bad cops to color us, you know, with this blue pen that is becoming poisonous. And it's a culture thing. It's a culture. What happened in the back of that van is culture. It, it has been tolerated an acceptable behavior that this is what we do when we get people in our care that are assholes or ornery, we just don't like their vibe. You know. And I know the training that they get in the academy because I've spent time in the academy when I was a police commissioner. I went through some of that stuff. So I know they, 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 the humanity is instilled. I, I know. It goes out the window in these moments, you know. So I'm just saying, 
I just feel some kind of way. I feel some kind of way. So, so go ahead, Mr. Streeter, do what you gotta do. Cause that's the only way that these, that the culture is going to change when the power of the budget forces mayors to have conversations with their chiefs of police and the chiefs of police has to go about changing the culture of a police department that has lost its way. I'm not saying New Haven has lost its way. I'm just saying it. the culture needs to change. That's it. That's it. You know? That's it. Because uh, Otherwise, more suits are going to come. <laughs> and uh, listen... Listen, listen, listen. It's a, it's a, it's going to be a, it's going to have to be a shift everywhere in all the places. It's just going to have to be a shift in all the places. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, hey Harry, tell hey, me about Florida. Tell me about Florida. Didn't y'all go to Florida? Oh, well, what you was gonna chime in on the police? <laughs> um, well, not so much about Florida, but um, TSA, oh, um, did a private search of you of me. <laughs> Because you look like a drug dealer. <laughs> so it was, um, it's interesting that my titanium knee hasn't rung once. Uh-huh. Right? S since I've gotten it, I've traveled twice th or three times, and the knee doesn't ring. But what does... Oh, somebody came in. Sorry. Um, so what, what does ring is my bad knee that's wrapped up in you know a lot of the compression wraps and everything uh-huh and my groin keeps ringing so i'm like I mean, I, you know let me tell you what that is harry and you're not gonna like it what because because you're still fat it can't see through all of that that's not it, but but the thing is, is. is that... so they have to take you out, take you, and then wave a clue because you're fat because it can't the radio waves don't whatever that is doesn't see through the density of the body. That's how they that I somebody told but it me isn't, this. But, but why the knee? Right, because so your knee the, is probably swollen. The titanium or knee isn't ringing, and yeah, I told the titanium they, is not going to ring. They already they see it. When you go through the x-ray, they already see what you got in your body. You know, so... I'm just saying. But the other knee, they, they made me, you know, take off the first layer of my clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, They made me take off... They wanted... Well, they wanted to take off the knee brace and everything and put it through the machine, but I have three on Right, because it's I need it really tight. Yeah, that just means they just can't see through it. They just can't see through it. They you know, see but, it, but they can't see through it. But so they, but they had to do the the pat down with a supervisor in the room. Yeah. Oh, I've done it a million 
times. <laughs> and everything. And but it was interesting. I rang both going and both and coming. Going, they didn't care. They just checked the knee pad with their own hands and everything. Because it isn't a hard knee thing. It's just the compression wraps, which is threefold that I put. Yeah, they just can't see uh they just can't see around around your uh your body. And um but so I mean that was interesting. They made me wait like 15 minutes for the supervisor to come. And luckily that I was a you know, warned send a warning text that TSA was backed up. That it would be like mm. a three-hour wait through the TSA line. <laughs> so that TSA line is no joke, man. <laughs> <laughs> they they have you. I mean, I, I guess I have to be grateful that my plane didn't explode or anything. Well, you know, you can get um, you can get um, global entry. Like you could apply for the the TSA. Yeah, they have the. The quick um thing, but even those people were delayed because they didn't have enough TSA people. Oh well, that's going to be a problem. So, but I mean, it was it was an okay time. I I mean, it was only three days, and they came and went. I walked too much. My leg feels like it's going to fall off now. Um. I get the surgery on on Valentine's Day for the next knee. Oh, really? Yep. So I'm showing myself some love by getting a a new knee on Valentine's Day. What? <laughs> I can't oh, wait. Oh, I love this it, Harry. Terrible. This is freaking killing me right now. I've literally, there's been times where I feel like I'm walking with a broken leg. So I can't wait. But did you did you see the judge get attacked in the courtroom yesterday? No, where? In in Vegas. She was um Oh, I saw that when the guy was like he like like somebody like a rag dog threw him over. He jumped over at her he and then jumped to... over. You see, this is the thing about and I used to I said that about if the If I'm people. a judge, Harry, you know what? I need a I need a glass partition around me. She now. had a glass partition. Oh. But he went around that glass partition that where there wasn't any, that's what he went through. Um, but you know, I always I always said that about the, the people in my neighborhood where I grew up. We had some of the best athletes in the world. If anybody would just come and recruit where we were, we would have won the Olympics many times over. And this guy. Should be in I, the Olympics. I saw, it, I saw it on Facebook. I saw somebody or on uh, Instagram <laughs> or somewhere, and it took a lot of um. It took a lot of people to sub subdue well, him. The, the thing is, is that he got to her quickly. He did. So he. I think they surprised. They surprised people. I mean, I think the element of surprise worked in his favor. Yeah. So I mean, once he he heard it was that whole huge bench. I mean. Um, he's on top of her. So now it takes now all you have is the sides to get to him. So it's hard to get to him on top of her. But they did a pretty good job. 
I mean, they did, but I she moved fast enough for my take because he wouldn't have got me like that. Well, it wasn't a surprise though. She was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> instead of like bolting herself, she just went. But I mean, but See, somebody, you, know, you and I, we don't, we don't operate in that world because we always ready for the jump off. I, at least right. I am, Harry. Well, this is the thing, and I'm saying, if I'm her, I'm pissed off at the bailers. She's about to give him thirty years. Yeah, she's in the process of telling him, you know, you've gotten many chances. This is your another um felony assault. And all of this stuff. She's about to hand him 30 years. And uh, I don't know, they call bailiffs in the room. Yeah. They, they're there they at the sides and everything. Security. They should have they he's already cursing. He's already pissed off. Don't you prepare yourself just in case something pops off? You I, know, bet but, you she, I bet you she went to court today. It was different. <laughs> <laughs> now they're standing right in front of the they're bench. Like, I need you to stand right here. <laughs> the one who, who helped her the most was the clerk that was sitting next to her. I know. <laughs> I know that person's like, oh, I'm going to need to transfer out of this court. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, I'm going to need a raise. I need I'm a gun permit. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sue because I didn't feel safe at work. <laughs> but this he helped out the most. I mean, I'm like I'm getting my butt kicked because of some <laughs> foolishness. Like what is happening? And then the I, thing is, is that you're right. The element of surprise is is everything against people who aren't prepared for for nothing at all. They're just. And, and and what do he think is gonna happen to him now? I mean, you got thirty. Oh, well, years. I mean, he, <laughs> now he has another felony assault, oh and they God. call it on a judge. Like right, they they call it felony assault on a protected person. Okay, I guess there's laws for protected people are judges. Yeah. So yeah, so now I mean, he's thinking. I'm sure he was thinking to himself, if I'm getting thirty years, I'm going out with a bang. And and the thing about it is that now you're gonna see it. Now they better prepare because once this starts trending on well, that's what I mean, Harry. It's gonna change. It's got to change yeah. now, right? They I don't care change. if you're coming in because you, you was picked up for selling lemonade out your car. It's gonna change because <laughs> you can't take chances now. Yeah, but he had like you know. Two, two or three felonies of violence and everything like that. So it's like you have to prepare for this guy. But he he thought he was going to get probation again because that's what our system's been doing. They've just been letting him out. So he just lost it once he got real time. Okay, well. Oh, well. Um, but okay. somebody should go and, I mean, Wherever he came from, whatever neighborhood he came from, go and test them out for athletes. I'm sure he's not the only athlete in that neighborhood. I mean, we used to, I'm telling you, we used to have people who would break the jumping records and everything in our neighborhood, jumping roof to roof. <laughs> there was there was no option of failure where when we were doing roof to roof stuff. Mm. But anyway, so anyway, so 
It's 10 o'clock now. You're listening to Love Bass Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. I've been working on Marcy's show since I got in this morning. Right. Um, but I wanted I had a video prepared for you for Timu. Oh. Um it's it's an interesting video because I was gonna tell you I like Timu. Until you found but... out. <laughs> I, I said, let me do a little research for Babs, but there's a lot of problems with it. It's, it's, oh, it's a lot of problems. It's, but no, but cyber security problems. Now they're like TikTok. Oh, they're stealing all your information. Oh, God. And everything. So, but we'll touch on that, you know, I guess okay. another day. Well, tomorrow. So we'll be back. When I come back, I'll have Joanne Wilcox from, uh, she's a site coordinator for uh, Parent. Uh, Leadership Training Institute, and uh, we'll get into that. So, so come back
and welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy this morning. I'm welcoming my friend, Joanne Wilcox, who is the site manager for the Parent Training Parent Training Leadership Institute. And you know, PLTI is a, a transfer, transformational experience uh, cool. for parents who see issues in their community and want to build on their knowledge and skills needed so that they can be effective in advocating for change for their children, families, and community. So Joanne is here today because along with United Way and Workforce Alliance, they're launching a Parent uh, Leadership Training Institute cohort this January for 18 to 24-year-old parents. So uh, if you're interested, this was the show for you today. Good morning, Joanne. How are you? Oh, good morning. Good morning. I'm nervous, but I'm good. And I love the music that led me in. Thank you. (laughs) Why are you nervous? You know me. We talk all the time. I know. I know. I just like to be in the background. (laughs) That's what a great thing about being a site coordinator is. I get to do all the things behind the scenes. (laughs) Well, tell me about Parent Leadership Training Institute. Now, I've done this program many, many years ago. I was in it. I worked for it. I know the good that it does. I did it in Bridgeport uh, for a few years. And I enjoyed it. All right, so you tell me about Parent Leadership Training Institute. (laughs) I love seeing these parents become advocates, um, the best possible advocates for their kids and their community. And I love the program. I don't know if they're still, if you're still requiring folks to uh, have a project to work on. Yep. uh, But I I always found that quite rewarding, this kind of stuff that people uh, would launch. And I believe it's still standing in Bridgeport, some of these programs that these parents launch. How did you come to PLTI? My, my new friend, Sandra Carmichael, is the coordinator down there. So yes, if you're interested in listening from Bridgeport, there's there's still a PLTI running there as well. Um, I came to it. It's funny because I uh, am a friend of United Way. I've volunteered for them for a lot of years. Um, I have a friend that, that works here and she's like, you should look at this. But what was interesting is somehow in the back of my email inbox, I found something from 2018, somebody saying you should look into this. So um, it's been around for like 30 years. I'm new to it. I, I wish I had known back 
when I was trying to carve away out of no way that, that it was available to me <laughs> because it really feels like it aligns with my values and my path, like my own, my own journey. Um, so I, I came to it because somebody said, Hey, you should look at this. But what was cool about it is, is, is that somebody in-house, what was cooler than that is somebody that was on my team in my previous role called me and said, Hey, there's a position. You should look at this as I was filling out, you know, building my application and, and writing my cover letter, somebody, you know, that just knows me well. So it, it, it feels like it's aligned with, with who I am and what I'm about. I want to raise voices of young people. When I say I like to work behind the scenes, it's because elevating voices is a big part of what I've done as a photographer, um, coordinating for other things. It just, it, it feels like it's, it's all, all me all day. Mm -hmm. So, so the PL is a free 20 week learning experience mm -hmm. in a cohort of about 18, to 24 people. I do remember that. Yep. Uh, and, and their parents. So yes. these are, you're working with parents, which is, which is really nice. And I know New Haven I, over the years, I, I remember it had one, it didn't have one. It had one, it sort of start, stop, start, stop. Right. And it, you know, it's funny because I went back to one of the uh, facilitators and site coordinators from the previous entity, you know, when it was in New Haven before Merrill Eaton and nobody was more excited to see it coming back. It, it was so it's been so much fun. I mean, even you were early in my conversations, Babs, talking about it. I didn't know enough to know its reputation, but literally everybody that I've spoken to about it loves PLTI. Uh, the idea that that it is coming into a welcoming group of hands is is exciting to me as somebody who's who's trying to build something and, and to relaunch something that's already been. It's it's something that everybody that I've spoken to wants to lift up with me. I don't feel alone in this work. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh the first the first weeks, weeks one through ten, focus on personal leadership and, and who you are as a parent leader. And then uh weeks eleven through twenty, focus on government, policy, and media, which I which I found invaluable. And and I think this is where my expertise came in when I was uh teaching, teaching in the program. Um, because I had been elected to office. I think I was elected to office at that particular time when I was still mm -hmm. doing this. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and they feed you, which is really mm -hmm. nice. So you don't have to worry about that, right? Right. Because you right. come after work and you don't got to be like, oh my God, I got to get the kids fed. And what is that going to look like? Um, you dinner. get a stipend for childcare and transportation, which which is, you know, I wish more organizations would think about that particular part of it when they when they do these kinds of works with parents and children. Yeah. Um, and then employment resources and training opportunities through the American Job Center. So, so this is that's a new component to uh, right. the the American Job Center. So, so, yeah. uh, so talk about this. What's the recruiting looking like? So, what I'm looking at is how we all know somebody, right? We all know somebody. I'd like somebody looked at you at some point in your life and and probably nudged you along as a leader. And I think what, what's exciting to me is to think about how as a community, we're going to come around these young people. 18 to 24 is a challenging enough time. You add parenting on top of that. And you think about the ways that the overwhelm is, is, is so clear. Um, what I'm looking at is how the community is going to support these young people saying yes and getting all the barriers out of the way for them to say yes so they can build themselves as leaders from the very beginning of their parenting journey. Um, I think, I think that's, that's a, I don't know. It's a beautiful thing to, to think about how we can do that as a community. Mm -hmm. And, 
and and you're looking for relatively young parents. Very young parents. I mean, I've 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 got an application in for for some very young parents, and so the idea that um, at, you know, at first I, I I struggled with that a little bit, um, but then I got thinking about the ways that these same young voices would be overlooked had they been in a pile with other you know older people who had been on their journey a little longer. So this this focus on this particular young group of people is is now the the shift that I've made at least is is thinking about how we get to ignite them. This is the same generation of young people that have grown up under Black Lives Matter, under you know Parkland movements, under the the way that kids are more engaged in in science and climate change. These are these are young people who know all the problems and and in the community and and at large and want to be a voice in that change. Uh, the idea that we can equip them so early on excites me. I, I like that thinking too, um, because I think uh, if you can get a foundation around leadership, particularly starting with advocacy for your own children, um, then it, it just grows because your children will grow up, right? Like they'll grow up, but you'll still have this skill set. What was your project, Pabs? I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was wrestling with this and I was like, what the hell did I, what did I work on? And yeah. then I thought, did I work on a, um, did I work on a, a book club or did I work? I have to go back and look at some old stuff, but yeah. I know I did a project and it was quite meaningful to me. I just, <laughs> yeah. it was a lot of years ago, Joanne, a lot of years ago. Like I talked God. to so one of my colleagues here at United Way is an alumni and I asked her about her experience there. And she said that she had uh, people all over the spectrum. Like there was, for her, it was about building relationships with people who uh, wanted their children to grow up uh, with better language skills. So she was her, she was a Spanish speaking household and she wanted to make sure that her kids got early preschool. So she was she was very interested in in that. Um, she also was in a cohort with somebody that had an interest in making sure that their holidays were honored on the school's uh, calendar. Mm -hmm. uh, there were people that ran for office. The spectrum of what people get in, excited about and engaged in is quite wide and I get excited about like for me I know when it was when it was the the change for me came when it was code of conduct I wanted to see that we didn't push kids out right and I I know that in my heart that doesn't feel like the right thing to do and so for me I'm I'm kind of voracious about talking about restorative practices and how mm -hmm. we might do differently and so it in in my own leadership training it helped me to build on speaking that truth as early and as often as I can, right? Because that's what matters to me. And giving young people the platform and the, and the ability to navigate some of these systems and know how to make change in these systems, it, it I don't know, it never gets old to me. I, I, I'm with you. And I, I love the fact that even if folks don't do some outside project that is institutionalized somewhere, that the that they will become advocates for their children. Absolutely. Because I, I think the education system is probably one of the most oppressive systems to try to maneuver through if you're a parent uh, advocating for things for your child. I mean, I, they don't make these processes easy. I, I, from my experience, they just don't make them easy. And I think if you're armed with how to sort of, you know, walk into these spaces and say, this is what I need, this is what I want. And, and, and I think that bodes well, well yeah. for training a parent. Otherwise they sit there and be talked to. <laughs> right. 
Right. And I, I, even when you say that, I get excited because I feel like, you know, and I'm in the room, right? I'm not, I'm not a facilitator. I've got three great facilitators coming up for this. I'm just the site coordinator, but coordinator, but even in my own lived experience, I have had to do that. And so I feel excited to be able to be a support system to help them to navigate any of those things. Mm -hmm. So where are y'all housing yourselves? Like, where are you going to be? Site so we'll be, uh, we, I, I'm, I'm currently sitting in United Way's offices, but our trainings will be, our, um, our cohort, cohort will be meeting at CONCAT. I'm really excited about that partnership. Um, uh, the one uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, Science Park, 25 Science, Science Park. Park. Okay. Yep. yep. So very excited about that. And um, that just, yeah, that just feels like a beautiful, dignified space that, that, that reminds you that, that you're worth investing in. So I, I love being in that building. Good. And and are they are they cooking for you too? Like is the I think so that's the conversation we're having, but I think that's the way it's gonna go. You know, we we provide a meal. So what better partnership than us and the cafe there? And and the other thing that's cool about that is these are young people that are still figuring out their path, culinary, phlebotomy, medical billing, you know, all of those options sitting there at the same time as having this other resource of Workforce Alliance saying, well, maybe electrical, maybe, you know, there's, there's other things that you want to get involved in. How can we support you finding that path? I've got a great team at at Workforce Alliance, by the way, they're, they're 18 to 24 year old. Uh, Kalaya and uh, Annika are fantastic. And I'm really excited about working with them as well. It's just been like nothing but bing, bing, bing for me <laughs> to spend time oh, good. with, That's with good. the way this is being, yeah, being supported. What what we're asking for of the community is is that same kind of support from from everybody listening. You know, who do you know that might benefit from this? Who do you know? And and we can go a little younger, um, eighteen to twenty four. We can't go older, but we can go a little younger with this with this particular grant. But if you know young parents that you want to make sure get the tools that they need, that's that's what we're looking for is that warm handoff help. Help them see the leader within themselves. And there's a lot. I, I mean, I, it's a good thing about New Haven that it is very um, um, program rich. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make the right connections with people like, you know, you talk to Honda Smith and her community yeah. up there at the shack. And, yeah. you know, and that's that's upper that's upper uh, uh, in that in the West Rock neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you talk to uh, uh, you talk to the folks here in New Hallville. Um, and see, you know, who, who's got organization, you know, got young people, uh, doing stuff. And I know there's a lot of mothers over here. I know, I know yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so every neighborhood has a hub of some sort, um, right. that you could tap into, which, right. which is the beauty of this city, right? I do love it. I do love the city. That's the thing that's been, you know, it's been kind of fun to think about the ways that this could be a real, you know, change for, I don't know. I was at the inauguration the other day, right? A house full of people that care about being involved in New Haven. That's 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 what I'm saying. It's like, well, I just want to fill the seats with with all the 18 to 24 year olds that aren't here yet. I like it. And uh, and I like that you 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 all have thought about all the things that people need to sort of get here to get there. Right. Yeah. Like you remove some barriers because yeah. it's the barriers that are preventative for people to get what they need or to participate in things that might benefit, benefit them. Right. That's, that's been a real challenge for us as well. And, and, and the thing that, that I'm really thinking about as far as that goes is, you know, if you see that future leader in this young person, are you willing to, to volunteer a week watching the kids? Maybe I don't, you know, we're, we're providing childcare, we're providing food, we're providing transportation, all of those things. But as far as equity goes, 
to do our best effort, we've got to, you know, make sure they've got somebody that they trust and love watching those babies. And I, and I, and I do think that having them, it's that the thing we didn't cover is that it's Wednesday nights from five to nine. I'm hoping that those young people are in bed at that point, you know, that, that their children are, are, are home and cared for and, and, and we don't have to worry about where they are. So it's, mm-hmm. I'm really looking at, at trusted relationships when it comes to the childcare piece too. So we're, we're working out some, some details behind the scenes on that, but I'm excited to be able to say that that's, that's really a priority. And I, I've been also thinking about the ways that, you know, to me, that feels like equity too. Like how, how we do that and do that well means they've got somebody that they trust and we're, we're doing right by that person as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So um, is this a, a reboot of the New Haven PLTI? Is this a reboot or has it, has it been here for a while or it, I'm, no, it's been away for about seven years is my understanding. Okay. And the uh, work that PLTI has done internationally has been, you know, constant. New Haven needs some help getting it to take, you know, to take hold and, and to stay consistently here. Um, Bridgeport, Stamford, and some others have had it for 25 and 30 years. Um, and what's cool about it is you call those site coordinators and they still light up when you talk to them about it. They're working on something that long and they love what they do. Mm-hmm. So it, it, to me, that's, that's regenerative work. That's exciting to think about. Well, I mean, you know what, it might be, it might be time for, uh, I, I imagine it is time for PLTI to, to, to resurface back into New Haven. I mean, Absolutely. it just seems like a natural, a natural thing for it to, to grow some roots and some, some strength here. Um, we are such a community minded, you know, group. It, it feels like if you've got something you care about in this town, there's always somebody you can work on it with. So uh, yeah, I think, I think we're ripe for it. Um, I, I don't know enough about what's, you know, what's happened in the past to, to keep it from being sustained. But, but my hope is that we're building cohorts that are more expansive in that age group that, that we can, we can make sure that we're, inviting people to participate going forward, but we've we've got to get this one off the ground. And, and I think, you know, really nurturing these young parents is, is, is my first job. So is a, is the United Way relationship, a new relationship for PLTI in New Haven? Yes. Okay. Well, that seems like a natural, a natural partnership. Absolutely. I mean, I I get that sense. Yeah. It really aligns with aligns with all the offerings they already have. It's just, it's, and it's cool to be in a place where that's true, you know, that, you know, that it, that it matches up with the early childhood, food security, um, homelessness, um, tutoring, you know, the youth network, all the things that we, that, you know, I'm, I'm a new we at United Way myself, but, but I kind of look at the ways that this makes sense and, and, and their whole, you know, live United, you know, it's, it is bridging those gaps for, for the community. So Yes. No, I love it. I love it. And and people can uh, get to the website through the United Way. United yeah. Way, Greater you, New Haven, uwgnh.org slash PLTI. Yes. I had to write and it so down that, to make sure I got all those letters right, too. <laughs> and so the website, when you go to the website, you can apply, you can look at more information, you can, yes. um, you can leave a message or ask yeah. questions answered. Yeah, and everything in that website touches back to my email address or my phone number. So if there's any questions, I'm I'm on the other end of it and happy to receive whatever uh, 
whatever feedback or questions people have about this. I'm very excited about engaging the community to take this on with me. I really do believe this is going to take a lot of hands mm -hmm. and, and we have to be the support network to say, you know, I've got you while you do this, let's, you know, let's invest in you. And people have until January 12th to apply. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so it's a and, quick and turnaround. When the, and when does the program start? We have an all day retreat on January 27th. That'll go from nine to five and that will build community and relationships within that group and that cohort. And then from there, it launches every Wednesday from five to nine. Okay. For, for 20 weeks. Yeah. And that first hour is dinner. And then the, the curriculum begins at six. Okay. Wow. I mean, this is, this is exciting stuff, Joanne. Uh, I think have, so. so have people, have people signed up so far? Have you heard from people yet? I've got some applications coming in and that feels good. And it's, it's, uh, we've got a civic design team that'll help me do the interviewing after the, you know, we've, we've got all that lining up. It's just, it's, it's a lot of moving parts, but yeah, I've got some applicants coming and I'm looking for more. And so at the end, do they get a certificate? Like what's the, what's the so payoff? They, they go through a graduation <laughs> process up at the Capitol. They get a $500 oh, stipend. Right. I remember yeah. that now. Oh How was that God. for you? It was fun. What was fun about it? Tell me. I, I you know what? Cause I don't think most people go up to the Capitol. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so you don't have opportunity to like be in that space for yeah. no reason. Right. right. Uh, uh, so, and our Capitol is probably a very pretty looking Capitol with all the yeah. you know, paint and all that kind of stuff. And the LOB where all the legislators hang out. I mean, it's a, right. it's an interesting, it was, a, it was, a, it was awesome for me because I had never spent that kind of time yeah. uh, in that space. So, yeah. I I graduated from college late in life. So, and you know that about me, but um, having been in school these last few years, I've really grown, and especially during these particular years, right? I've, I've got a lot of ways that it feels like a complicated time to be alive. And I'm more and more interested in standing up for democracy. And that's a big piece of this as well, is just recognizing that it it, it is a people's work and civic engagement is, has become real important to me. So I, I look forward to the ways that these folks will get involved in things because they care about them. So, uh, it, yeah, this. Okay. So they graduate, uh, they, they do it up at the, uh, at the, at the Capitol, uh, they get a stipend at the end. Yep. Of, yeah. Uh, and a certificate I'm sure. And, yep. uh, yep. and then those people are, are the gateways to other people coming in and doing, see, then you start it all over right. again. Or how right. many, how many times a year do you think you want to run this? We'll be writing a second cohort later in the year. And then the other thing that I was going to say about that is there's an alumni network that's pretty expansive by this time that they've been going, like I said, in Connecticut for 30 years. So yes, there's... It, it would be extensive at this point. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people that I didn't know were alum before you included, like, you know, just in casual conversations talking about my new job. And it, it's interesting how many people I've bumped into that I know who are in leadership positions in their roles and whatever their workplace is. And they are PLCI alum. So it, it does feel like it's an investment you make. Uh, seems seems to me the people that I that I have met who are graduates have have seen the success of being that leader. My good friend Ron Thomas sits on the national board. Oh, and, fantastic. Uh, and uh, and he was the one that engaged me uh, to be, become part of PLTI, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, yeah. 
uh, when I did it. Uh, and it, it really was, it really was such a good experience and a, a very heartwarming, heartwarming experience. Um, because I think, you know, Joanne, I don't think people sort of spend enough time talking to the power of p young parents and, right. and their ability to like, you know, be on the ground and do the, do, do community work, civic work. So I keep thinking the other, the other piece of that too, is this is kind of the opposite of COVID, right? That building those relationships so they can hear their own voices and, and recognize that they do have a leader inside of them is, is, um, yeah, that that feels like an important and integral part of the of the of growing into yourself. But we've we've had a gap there for those the young people, right? These are it just it, it feels like to me we've got to do some real intentional work on the other side of COVID that says, okay, let's let's see what we can do to reinforce what you're gonna need in particular. Yes. I I, I think that's a good way to look at that. Uh, it's time we start looking at things that way. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me about yeah. the, tell me about your team. How big is the team? I have a fantastic uh group of people. So um I'm looking at Janine McMahon, uh Jaquise Patterson who's an alum from New Haven who's being um brought up into a facilitator position and Nessie Rodriguez and so Nessie's the second uh, phase and Janine and Jaquise will be doing the first. Um, Melvette Hill, who's at the state level, who supports me in the background, making sure that I, you know, have all this figured out. It's a lot of moving parts to, to, to put all this together, <laughs> as you might imagine. Um, Allie Fox is my, my uh, I don't know, queen of all things at United Way, as far as I'm concerned, she's, she's been really helpful in getting me uh, established here. And, and, you know, she, what I love is feeling trusted to do some, some really great work in figuring this out. Look at me, I'm sitting here by myself going, <laughs> it, it, it makes me feel very happy to be so trusted in, in this role. Um, there's a whole bunch of people over at Workforce Alliance that'll be also working to support, you know, the, the young people on the other end of this, if they want to, you know, help find that path, like I said. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but they're moving into the, into the space right across the hall from us. So we oh, will be, are they? yeah. Now y'all yeah. are, where are y'all in Fairhaven? Aren't you? We're at 370 Jane street. Yep. Fairhaven. And, uh, they, yep. Fairhaven. And they will be, uh, right across the hall. Very short. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but very shortly. So they'll be moving into so they left the boulevard. They're leaving they, the boulevard. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that place was just, you know, dreary. Wait till um, you see the new spot. It's beautiful. I can imagine. Now I got to find a reason to come over there. Like, well, come visit me. <laughs> you can always come see me. I will. I will come snoop. I'm like, I'll come over here and see what's happening over here at James yeah. Street. What's happening? No, that new spot's great. That new spot is great. Um, I, I, this is a wonderful, um, a wonderful partnership, I think. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to just shout out to my my friend Annika who's over there at Workforce Alliance. She's the boots to the ground 18 to 24 year old uh, support system for those uh, for this group, and uh, she used the word fortress. That these young people are building a fortress around themselves, and mm. I just thought, wow, that's that's a beautiful image, right? That they'll come out of this having not just been, you know, leaders. They'll know where to go. They'll know how to support each other. I love that word. 
I, I love that, you know, the first the first 10 weeks are about personal leadership. Yeah. Right. Like to tap into those skills, because I, I, when you ask people if they think they're a leader, most people say no. Right. Like most people, they just don't claim they're the part yeah. of the leadership that they are. Yeah. Agreed. And and I, I think about. Uh, you and others, there have been so many people along the way for for me, even as a, you know, <laughs> middle-aged white lady, I've had a lot of people that help me to understand that I do have a role in leadership in this community. And, and I, I don't take it for granted that it, it, that I needed that support, right. That I, that I needed people along the way to, to point me in the right direction and to, to, to shore me up and to, to help me to feel like I had it in me to speak my truth. Mm -hmm. Well, see, that's good because you're just the right example of what PLTI is gonna gonna do with these with these with this new cohort. Like they'll, you know, it's almost as if you're like you're mirroring to them what what the journey will be like. Like you know, and that it's values. not linear, <laughs> right, right. And, that, and but that's a good example because I think you know if you don't see there are mm -hmm. other ways to get somewhere. You yeah. just feel like you, you can't do it. Well, the, and and look at me, I'm happy. Right. I mean, the thing is, people will say to me all the time when I when I say I graduated college at almost 50, they're saying things like, oh, it's OK. Well, that's not the way I see it at all. It's perfect. I'm right in line. I am happy. I did. I made my choices. Right. And it's it's we, we have a tendency in our culture. And I would imagine, especially in a Yale community where you might think that you're a loser if you're not you know, doing X, Y, Z at a certain time. And it's like, you know what? Well, that's splitting at atoms or something. <laughs> right? I, I don't know. I didn't solve the equation. <laughs> you know, that's not the way it works. And I just, I feel like that's been a real lift for, for me to, to sort out in my own life. But to be able to, like I said, reinforce that early on for, for folks feels good. And I do love, love, love young people and, and, and have a few of my own. So I spent a lot of time, you know, supporting and reinforcing young people. And so this, I don't, I can't say enough about how happy I am to be, to be doing this work. Well, if there are people out there listening and people who are listening, who know people who would, who would benefit greatly from this program, just go to the uh, uwgnh.org backslash PLTI website and, uh, and, and pass that along to some, to some young folks, uh, 18 to 24 year old parents uh, who uh, who would benefit greatly from from this kind of uh, cohort, twenty weeks stipend, childcare, dinner, all the things, um, so that we can we can grow our own leadership amongst us. And I'd say even more than that, put that website in front of them and say, "Hey, let me walk you through this application. I think you should do this." I love like, it. I like love show it. yourself up. Show that show up for them. You know, like it. we. That we are the leaders we've been waiting for is a big piece of the way that I've been living these last few years. And I just keep thinking, you know what? Let's just grow more then. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So before I let you go, you know, I got to ask you about Pecha Kucha. <laughs> oh, yes. I love me some Pecha Kucha. I got to so, spend a few minutes on Pecha Kucha. Give it to me. <laughs> all right. I haven't set a date for the next one yet, but if you don't know what Pecha Kucha is, it's P-E-C-H-A-K-U-C-H-A newhaven.org, uh, newhaven.org, 20 slides rolling automatically, 20 seconds at a time to tell any story you want. And uh, Babs has done a couple of them for us. Uh, my husband and I host it and it's a great night out. Uh, the last couple we have done uh, have been 
it just seems like every time I do it, it's, it's, it's better than the last. I don't know. There's, there's something about the way that this lifts up voices. And again, I, I kind of feel like this is, this is my, my favorite thing is that I get to lift up the voices of other people. All I'm doing is setting the stage and you come and speak your truth. So I'm always it. looking for more stories. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to say something about it because it is important to me that New Haven tells its own story, right? We, we, we've got to sit six minutes and 40 seconds attentive to whatever that is. And, and if you don't like it, somebody else will come up. It's just, it's fantastic. It's a great way to share stories. I love it. I mean, I've done it twice and I hosted once. Yes, you did. Feel free, feel free to call me back to host because I love doing that. <laughs> I know, you I'm the... not trying to take your job, man. I'm not trying to take your job. <laughs> Between you and the big bearded dude, you guys will have to wrestle that out. <laughs> but I figure, I figure since, you know, he's he's got a lot of work to do, he might be on a business trip or some old place. He <laughs> might need another stand-in. So I'm just saying, I, I make myself available. <laughs> Thank you. We loved having you. And you remember that night was all women presenters, which was it so was. fantastic. That was so much fun. You led it and it was all women. I just, I felt so energized that night. I loved it. I loved everything about it. So I'm looking forward. I'm keeping my ears peered to my email. See when you, whatever you do next. So there will be a call to, for presenters coming out soon. I, 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 I gotta, gotta figure out my new job first. And then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can only spin so many plates at a time. My love. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. As someone who keeps a lot of plates in the air, oh. I understand. So, well, Joanne, application coming. Oh, girl, we we in the thick of it. We in the thick of it. We'll see what happens. Cheering you on. <laughs> Cheering you on. <laughs> Just pray. I need all the prayers I can get. Huh? All of them. So, <laughs> thank you for joining me this morning, Joanne Wilcox. Uh, we had a good time, right? Yes, we did. Thank you so much for being such a lovely host and for always teaching me love. It, Makes me happy. Yes. Well, we'll be in touch. I'll see you out here in these streets in a little bit. Yes, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. Have a great afternoon. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you, Harry, for the makeup job. <laughs> Thank you, Joanne. All right, Harry, play us out. We are on our way out. Tomorrow's Friday. I'll be back. And uh, you all make it a great day. And go do your grocery shopping because we got plowable snow coming. Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs>